0: In today's show, NBA free agency has started. Fred Van Vliet, yeah, he went to Houston. Kyle Kuzma went back to Washington. Jeremy Grant signed a contract for the GDP of a small nation. We're going to talk about everything that's happened so far on day one. Mick Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd. and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always, at redrock underscore b ball on TikTok at redrock underscore b ball and on Instagram at LockedonFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First time users can receive a 100 percent instant deposit match up to 100 dollars with the promo code Lockedon. That's PricePix.com. Promo code is Locked On. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. And we are available on all platforms. NBA Free Agency has started, so we're going to talk about that. It is currently p.m. Eastern Time, Friday the 30th of June. So, any deals that happen after that time? I'm sorry. The last move that has happened that I'm recording on here... well, I'm going to record tomorrow for everything else that happens. The last move that has happened is Monte Morris going to the Detroit Pistons. So, that's the last move. So, we'll get to it. Let's talk about everything that went down. Big money. Confusion reigns. As always... Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's um let's look at what happened. New new faces in new places. Let's go through the players that changed teams in free agency. And we'll start with the one that's going to have probably the biggest impact. And that's Fred Van Vliet, multi-time all-star, heading to the Houston Rockets. Three years, $130 million. First of all, shout out to Freddles. That is an exorbitantly large deal. He's an unrafted player getting $43 million a year. Kudos. What a hard worker. What a legend. Been a really good fantasy player the last couple of years as well. He should continue to be a pretty strong fantasy player for the next two years. The Rockets roster though, I don't understand what's going to happen. Their starting point guard was actually pretty good last season. Yeah, good enough. Big improvements. Kevin Porter Jr. Big improvements. They drafted a point guard at pick number four in Amen Thompson. I think he's talking to you. So what the hell happens now? They're in a real roster crunch scenario. And I still don't, they haven't finished with free agency. Are they going to sign Brook Lopez? I don't know. So at the moment, we'll say that Jalen Green is probably going to start. And you'd have to say that Alperen Shangun is going to start at this point. Then there's Jabari Smith, who you'd guess would start. And Fred Van Vliet is going to start. So it leaves one starting position for Kevin Porter, or Amen Thompson, or last year's incumbent small forward, KJ Martin, who might not be back, probably won't be. Uh, Tari Eason. How, how do they work it all out? Cam Whitmore, he's not going to start. So what do they do? This obviously... Even if Kevin Porter does start at the three, it negatively impacts his value, Fred VanVleet arriving. It really does put somewhat of a clamp on Amen Thompson early on. Still don't doesn't change anything about my Amen Thompson dice evaluation. You pick Amen Thompson at pick number four with the hope that he becomes your best player. I think he's got bigger upside than Jalen Green, personally. That's what you hope. But there's squishiness going on. And then I don't think is going to be draftable for fantasy this season. Um, for standard leagues, we'll, we'll see. Because I just don't know what they're going to do. And then more moves could clear stuff up with Porter moving on or whatever they're doing. But it obviously hamstrings Tari Eason as well in terms of what his role is. And then further things could be complicated with other guys they bring in. A real confusing situation that will have to play out in the next few weeks. Gabe Vincent goes to the Lakers, three years, $33 million. That's very cheap for Gabe Vincent. That's very cheap. I guess he wanted to play with the Lakers because he could have gone somewhere else for a lot more money than that. Um, We don't know about D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. They haven't been signed yet. I almost guarantee that Reeves will be back for the Lakers and Russell, they think, could be back. We know that Dennis Schroeder won't be back. So Vincent... Might be a starter. They also drafted Jalen hood Shafino. He's just not going to play minutes at all, really, I'd guess, on this team early on. Um, Yeah, Vincent, even if he does start, it'd be relatively limited minutes and absolutely limited ball-handling opportunities, and he's just not going to be a standard league player. He's a solid enough guy. I I love the signing for the Lakers in terms of the value. Three years, 33 million is unbelievably cheap, and how good of a player he is. Bringing good depth, who can start, come off the bench, Is he a better player than D'Angelo Russell? Mm, At times. Might be probably a better playoff player than D'Angelo Russell. Is he a better player than Dennis Schroeder? I believe so. Um, so That's great for the Lakers, but for us trying to figure it out for fantasy, I don't think this is going to make him a good option. The Shark. Bruce Brown. Two years, $45 million with a team option. That is big. That is huge for Bruce. Congratulations to him for getting that sort of a deal. Um... I don't know whether the Pacers will pick up that team option next year, but we will see. Now, they're in a little bit of an interesting situation as well. They drafted Jarris Walker to play the four. four, sorry, Miles Turner's at the five. Halliburton's at the one. Then there's Matherin. Then there's Heald. Then there's Nempard. And now there's Brown. Will Brown, at $22.5 million a year, be a sixth man? Or is he just going to slot in and start next to Heald? Or is Heald going to come off the bench so Matherin starts? I don't know. This obviously has an impact on one of those guys. It might be on both of those players, but we know Matherin struggled significantly in fantasy last season, and Heald was pretty good, but that is a weird sort of situation. There's also an unfounded rumor at this point that Obi Toppin is being traded to the Pacers, but I don't know about that being true. It might be true by the time you listen to this. So Brown probably is a later round fantasy player, but someone is going to not be useful out of Matherin, Heald, and Brown. And obviously, Nempard is going to get squished way down the pecking order, you would think here. So I don't think they're going to start Nempard like they did last year and bring Brown off the bench. What it does in Denver, and they made some very questionable moves today. What it does for Denver, though, is it opens up a huge rotation spot. I would guess the Christian Brown takes on some extra minutes, as well as one of the blokes that they inexplicably... Resign using their mid-level exception in Reggie Jackson. Not that he's going to be fantasy relevant, but the way their rotation worked, where they basically had six starters, where Brown would play 27 minutes a night off the bench, that's probably not going to happen again for Denver. Even if Christian Brown could slide into some of those minutes, he can't really handle the backup point guard role the same way that um, Bruce Brown could. And then there's the addition of like a Julian Strother and where he fits into that mix as well. Not, not that Jalen Pickett's going to be a rotation guy immediately, I don't think. And then, as I said, Dennis Schroeder somehow, for some reason, heads to the Toronto Raptors to replace Fred Van Vliet. And you know that I've been very critical of Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster for years. And people still just will keep telling me trust in Bobby and Masai. You've got got to stop. Like Every move they make is bad. That's a generalization that's going a little bit over the top. But this isn't good. What 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 are they building? Now, I I do like this in terms of, in a vacuum the value they got for re-signing Purtle. We'll talk about that later. But where is this team going? I, th- I thought, okay, are they going to start Scotty Barnes full-time at point guard? I don't like that at all. And now you bring Dennis Schroeder in, who did improve his defense a lot last season, but he cannot shoot. So you lose Van Vliet, a guy that actually can shoot, to bring in Dennis Schroeder to run point. I guess he's going to start. And I don't think he's going to be a must-draft fantasy guy, maybe a later-round player. But he could play 33 minutes a night and average 17 points on 41% shooting with five assists. He could. Maybe that is useful. And then the talk is, and again, this hasn't been finalized, that they're finalizing a lucrative extension for Gary Trent after just drafting Grady Dick. Why? Where are you going with this team? I know Raptors fans will cry about this, or maybe they'll agree. But this team, there's nothing happening here. There, which direction are you even going? You could have traded Kyle Lowry. You didn't. You could have traded for Van Vliet. You didn't. You could have traded Gary Trent, or you know, he picked up his player option. What is he providing? You could have sold Ananobi for multiple first-round picks. Are you still going to do that? Why did you give a first to get Yucca Pertlin? Why did you give a first to bring Thad Young in? What are any of these moves that this team makes? Drafting Scotty Barnes turned out really good, but I think they also overvalue Scotty Barnes now in terms of what he is as a player. But that's probably the only thing I think you can point to as being a good move for this team so far, or in recent years. Just shit house. Really bad. But Dennis Schroeder is there and he's probably going to be their starting point guard, I'm guessing. Far <laughs> out, right, man. And they still have no depth at guard, at point guard anyway. Who's their backup? Malachi Flynn? Again? Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. It's not individual rosters with salary caps where you're going up against thousands of people in a large field tournament, none of that. It's individual player projections. Points, threes, rebounds, steals, assists, whatever it is. You look at it and you go, bang, I think more or I think less. Choose it. You do that for whatever sport it is you're looking for. You do between two to six of those individual player projections into a lineup. And you can win up to 25 times your entry feedback. It's so easy. You can do this in under 60 seconds. It's available in over 30 US states. It's available in the majority of Canadian provinces and territories as well. And there's lots of sports. We do baseball. At the moment, you can do MMA, you can do PGA, you can do NASCAR, you can do cricket, you can do WNBA, and then when NFL is in season, college basketball, college football, the NBA, all that goes as well. So download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, price picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, price picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at Sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. Okay, let's look at some more new faces in new places. Joe Harris, Smoke and Joe, was traded to the Pistons, into some of their cap space, along with two future seconds. Harris is pretty cooked as a starting level player. He can still shoot. Um, he's not going to start on this team. I would guess, uh, again, they could make some other moves. But this is a team, again, the Pistons, where there's a lot of trust in Troy. You shouldn't. He's bad. This is not a terrible move. Like, getting two seconds to take on Joe Harris is not bad, but they do it every year. Ah, we'll push the cap space. Watch how much cap space we'll have. I heard this last season when they took on Nerlens, Noel, and Alec Burks. Look at at our cap space for next offseason. And now you just push it again. There's nothing wrong with taking get these future assets in, but at some point, are you going to get better or are you just going to keep pushing for cap space? And where does Joe Harris even fit on this team? Does he even play? There's Cade, obviously. There's Jaden Ivey. Yes, there's Asar Thompson, who I'm not sure he's going to be draftable in Standard Leagues this year either. Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran, the million other out centers, the Bagleys. Um, and then Monte Morris. So do they start Morris... Ivy and Kade together? That sounds stupid. Where the hell does Boyan Bogdanovich fit? So I can't fully criticise the Pistons because Bogdanovich might not remain. But it still is a weird... Ro- oh, yeah. They've still got Killian Hayes too. And they traded up to pick Marcus Sasser, an undersized shooting point guard. So they've gone from... Can we have every centre in the world to... Can we have seven point guards now? That... I don't really know what's going on. And this is... Aside from the Joe Harris... Um, try, like I don't know where Harris fits in maybe he's a, he can shoot clearly but if you're expecting to flip Boyan Bogdanovich for a first and have Harris take his role that's just not going to happen Harris is nowhere near the level of player of Bogdanovich and if you're running Joe Harris out there for 33 minutes a night well buddy you're not going to even hit 17 games winning this season so I don't know where he fits the Pacers have traded Chris Duarte to the Kings for draft compensation that I don't know what it is we haven't heard that announced yet Duarte was a horrible pick at the time Lottery pick as a 24-year-old, stupid. He had a really hot start the first 10, 12 games of his career, fell off, and then was really bad last season with multiple ankle injuries. And basically, he's just been salary dumped now. He's still got some hope to be a role player uh, in Sacramento, but of course, he's going to be behind Fox and Mitchell and Herder and Monk. They've got Colby Jones that they just drafted as well. There's Keegan Murray. They brought back the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Um, so I don't really know where Duarte fits in there. Like he's probably not an every night rotation player. So I don't know, but I don't know how to grade that for the Kings because I don't know what they gave up. Drew Eubanks. Now the Suns, the Suns, I think, are probably the biggest winner of free agency so far. Getting the best player for the Rockets is good with Fred VanVleet. I still don't really know how it all fits together, and I'd like to see some follow up moves like drafting a man and signing another point guard is a little weird, but VanVleet. Undoubtedly makes them better. Maybe they win 29 games or 30 games. Still not going to be good. So I'm a little little worried about that. But on the surface, as a vacuum signing, he's the best player and you got him. Whether it makes sense on your team, I would say probably doesn't. But what the Suns did, getting just a really solid group of very good NBA role players. I heard someone someone tweeted at me, man, Oh, they've got a great bench for the G League. Bro, no. The guys they all signed are really, really good NBA bench players. And they did a great job doing it. Drew Eubanks, two years, $5 million with a player option. Eubanks is a legit sub-starting caliber NBA center. He's definitely a backup caliber center. And he's probably better than Jock Landau. And I don't know if DeAndre Ayton's getting moved at any point, but Eubanks can start in a pinch. It's a very good rim protector, very good signing. Torian Prince goes to the Lakers, one year, $4.5 million. Weirdly waived by the Wolves. He's a guy that in theory should be a 3 and D player who's not a very good defender and not a very good three-point shooter, but he's still a good player. He's still a good rotation player where his minutes go. Like, they lost Troy Brown, so they basically switched teams, Troy Brown and, and Torian Prince. So I can imagine that um, Prince sort of slides into some of the Brown minutes, like an 18, 20-minute-a-night roll off the bench. Not really going to impact fantasy too much. Cade Bates-Diop goes to the Suns. Two years, $5 million player option. Bates-Diop was pretty good last year for the Spurs took over when Jeremy Sohan was injured at the end of the season. In fact, I've got a sound drop for that. Hey, 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 hey. And was actually pretty good. Now, could he be a starter next to Durant, Beal, Booker, Ayton? Yes. Your competition is Tory Craig. I think he's probably better than Tory Craig. Second round pick, Tumani Kamara. Eh. Josh Hmm. Eh. I, I think Bates Diop has got to be close to considered maybe a favourite to start. Maybe. He's an interesting player, I think he would fit actually really nicely. He can defend, he can shoot a little bit. I think he'd fit really good in that starting lineup. He wouldn't be a great fantasy option because he's not going to touch the ball enough, but he has been a guy through his time at Ohio State and even with the Spurs that can generate some defensive stats. So that's something to watch. As I said, Troy Brown goes to the Wolves two years, $8 million. He's basically like de-evolutioned Kyle Anderson, a wing who's really a point guard who can't shoot but can defend okay. He'll get some minutes there. It's not going to impact us much. I love the Bulls. Don't cut that out and use that in isolation. I love the Bulls signing Javon Carter. Javon Carter was a very good defensive point guard who worked himself into being a very good three-point shooter. He is a better player than Io who might not be back. He is a better player than Goran Dragic, who they had last year. Is Is he a good fit next to Zach Levine? Actually, a perfect fit next to Zach Levine. But they've still got Kobe White, who they re-signed today, three years $33 million, or $40 million if you believe Shams. They've still got Alex Caruso, who played, you know, not he's not really playing as a point guard. He played a lot at Power Ford and Small Ford last year. And they've still got all the other mediocrity on that team. But Carter at three years 20 is an he, is a huge steal. And if he does win the starting point guard job, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. And they go Carter, Levine, DeRozan, Williams, Vooch. Uh, he would be yeah, you know, 29 minute night, Javon Carter is a v- close to a 12 team league player. 1.7 steals, 2.5 threes, 10 points, 4 4 assists. It's close enough. It's one to watch. Now I am big on Kobe White long term. But White and Levine together don't make a ton of sense. Trading Levine and having White and Carter makes a lot of sense. If you're looking to rebuild and have guys that make sense together, so yeah, that would make sense. They won't do it though. But Carter's a very good signing and a good player. Chemezi Metu, likely a minimum. I haven't seen the numbers on that. One-year deal to the Suns. Just one of those guys, again, bouncy, power forward, backup center, can play next to Durant, can play next to Ayton, working a little bit on his three-point shooting, good shot blocker, might not play every night, but just another name to throw into the mix to rotate through players. Makes quite a bit of sense to me. Let's go to some more players in new teams. Big Georgie Niang. The minivan, three years, $26 million to the Cavs. Nyang is a legit shooter. He legit can't do anything else, but he is a legit shooter. Th- he also is very much a power forward. And the problem with that, to me, is, is that they have Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen, and they desperately need someone to play the three. And they've been trying to shoehorn guys with some success with Larry Markkinen two years ago and less success with Dean Wade last season or Lamar Stevens to play that three. Are they going to try it again with Niang? Now, Niang's spacing, shooting, low usage value actually makes a little bit of sense. It's not He's not the defender that Isaac Okoro is. He's not the ball handler that Karis LeVert is. But that shooting off of Mobley, Allen, and Mitchell and Garland, I, I get it. I think he's probably more likely to be a mid-20s-a-night player. Um, but it doesn't spell good things for Isaac Okoro. And I don't think Chetty Osman's going to be there long either. Jingle and Joe goes to the Magic, Joe Ingles. In fact, he doesn't just go to the Orlando Magic. He goes to our Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. Um, two years, $22 million. I would have to think that there is a team optional partial guarantee on that second season, but I don't know. Uh, Ingles came back remarkably early from ACL surgery last season and played pretty well. He's obviously slowed down a lot from where he was, but this roster again is bloody confusing. So, guards, Cole Anthony, Anthony Black, Mr. Black. Mark L. Fultz, Gary Harris, Jed Howard, Jalen Suggs. Still the guards. Then at Ford's, you've got Paolo, you've got Franz Wagner, you've got Johnny Isaac, and now you throw Joe Ingles in there. Oh, and there's also Chumra KK around as well. And then at center, you've got Wendell Carter, and maybe Mo Wagner. He hasn't been brought back yet. There's Bol Bol, who's not a center. Um, Ingles will play a rotation role, I would guess, as a backup forward because he's better than a KK and you can't rely on Isaac, but it's not going to be a fantasy relevant one, but just another guy in there to add to the confusion of what their rotation is going to be. Yudu Watanabe goes to the Suns. One year, basically a minimum deal. Well, that is a minimum deal. He shot 44% from three last season, but 48% in the first half of the season after the All-Star break, 29% from three. The 48, you know my mantra on this stuff. Relying on a bloke to do something that is completely bonkers outlier, like shoot 48% from three when he's next to Kevin Durant, if you're expecting that the next season, you're going to be let down in a huge way. He might be a 39% three-point shooter. He might be a 41% three-point shooter. But I'm not even going to come out here and tell you that he's a 44% guy like he was for the course of the season. Yes, he'll get a lot of open shots, but they won't necessarily go in. But another solid player for the Suns to add along with Bates-Diop, along with bringing back a Kogi, along with Drew Eubanks, along with Chemezi Metu. Maybe you, Watanabe is a starter there, next to Durant. Uh, he's, a, he's quite a good player, know. And it was disappointing to see him phase out of the rotation in Brooklyn towards the end of the season. He's not going to be much of a fantasy option, but he's there and he's very good depth. And then the big fella goes to Minnesota, Sheik Milton. Two years, 10 million team option. I can't complain too much about that. I think Shake, he's not going to start there. Mike Conley's there. Anthony Edwards is there. They brought back Nikhil Alexander-Walker as well. But he should be a rotation player, and Conley's not going to play every game. Milton's sort of more of a combo than a pure point. Um, but he's a guy that, when given opportunities, can put up numbers. I think that's a really good value signing that a team like Denver maybe should have considered using their mid-level on bringing a guy like that in versus what they did. Um, let's look at the next group of players. Joshie Richardson goes to the Heat. Two years, about $6 million player option. They lost Gabe Vincent, so getting a competent guard in. Their, their point guard situation is dire as shit. Now, maybe they trade for Damien Lillip. I don't know. They might have already done it. I'm too scared to look at Twitter while I'm recording this. Richardson, though, and they're under the expectation they're going to lose Max Struess as well. So Richardson's going to play 25 minutes a night behind Tyler Hero. He can handle the ball a little bit. He's going to have a sizable role. They still need to do something, a point guard, because A, you're not relying upon Kyle Lowry, and B, you can't rely upon Kyle Lowry. And he's not going to play 35 minutes a night anyway, even if you could. So they're going to need to do something. And Richardson can't run that position full-time at all. So we'll see what they end up doing. And obviously, the addition of Joshua Richardson, even though they lost Max Struess, probably limits some of the minutes for Jaime Harkes uh, out of the gate as a first-round pick. Rich O is unlikely to be a 12-team fantasy guy. The Lakers bring in Cam Reddish, and I've never seen a more Lakers signing in my life. And I've never seen a player, and Mo Bumble is one of those, actually, is a trade guy, that play, teams or fans, Lakers fans, are going to tell me, man, just wait, watch till we develop. And I've ha- I had the arguments already. Cam Reddish has been dreadful in three slots. In Atlanta, in New York, and in Portland. The Blazers said, man, we don't even want you to be a restricted free agent. We just don't want that. We don't even want those rights. See you later. He's just not good. I know we've got it in our head that he was his high-profile recruit coming out of high school, but he wasn't very good at Duke. He wasn't good in Atlanta. He wasn't good in New York, and he wasn't good in Portland. He's not going to play a big role in LA, of course. Now maybe they don't bring back Lonnie Walker, who is another absolutely Lakers signing. Reddish is a guy that you think should shoot but can't. You think can be a good defender, but isn't really. And should he be able to pass Lewis? Yeah, but he doesn't. So, yeah, I, I I don't get it but it's the most Lakers signing and I love a lot of the things the Lakers do. Their draft work, their two-way work is amazing. Their undrafted free agent stuff is fantastic. The Gabe Vincent signing was brilliant. This one, even I know it's cheap so it doesn't really matter, but I don't really know how he makes sense on this team. The Celtics bring in O'Shea Brissett, two years, $4.6 million dollars. Brissett has had a couple of little flashes, but the big thing with him is he cannot shoot. He's a stretch big who had a 10-game sample of shooting 40% from three, but basically he's like a 30% or less three-point shooter. He's not a very good defender, even though he occasionally has some highlight plays. But the Celtics team just as a backup big behind Porzingis, Horford, and Williams, assuming they're losing Grant Williams, he's fine. Good depth piece, nice number. Seth Curry goes back to Dallas. Now, okay, they we talk about they they brought back Kyrie uh they've got Jaden Hardy there they've still got Tim Hardaway I don't really know how the minutes pan out so someone's missing out between Seth and Tim and Jaden I would hope we get a little bit more out of Jaden Hardy but Seth Curry's just a very good shooter now I fear that his ankle's rooted and it's never going to be good that's my worry but he's probably more of an 18 to 20 minute a night guy but this is a guy that is a career 43% three point shooter Struggles defensively. He's undersized, but just banging him in, man. Like, is he more value than Tim Hardaway? Yeah, probably. Although Hardaway still signed, what, two more years, I think? At 16 or 17, that's a bad contract. I'd love to get rid of Hardaway and have Hardy and Curry run the backup unit. I don't know that they'll necessarily do that, though. Um, But he's going to get rotation minutes. The Grizzlies brought in Derek Rose on a two-year, $6.6 million contract. Sure. Like, why? I don't know. He barely played last season. His injuries have... Definitely caught up to him. They did four years ago. Um, he won't start. He well, actually, maybe, will he start when Jar is gone, is suspended? I don't know. I wouldn't think that you want to rely upon him to be your primary backup every night. Maybe he can, May, But he was quite poor last season, and that's why he got taken out of the rotation. Some might say that he's there to mentor ja Morant, or Rose has had his own sort of immaturity and off court issues in the past. We'll see how that works out. It's not a huge expense. There are other guys I would have targeted instead of Derrick Rose, but we'll see. And then we had a trade where the Wizards just gave Monte Morris away. In fact, is this I know Monte Morris is the most boring man in the NBA, but is this a boring trade? Monte Morris traded to the Detroit Pistons for a future second-round pick. It's not that boring because a future second-round pick's nothing. Really? They just got two for taking on Joe Harris. So, you might think that I'm just a Troy Weaver hater or a Pierson's hater. I just hate the moves they make. This is a good one. This is an unbelievably good move. I don't really know how it makes sense, but then I I say it's an unbelievably good move. So why'd you give up picks to move up and draft a backup point guard in the draft last week? That doesn't make any sense at all, (laughs) which is whatever. Morris is a very, very good backup point guard. So playing him behind Cade and Ivy with a Saar, He's going to play 23 to 24 minutes a night, I would guess, Monte. His time of being a 12-team league player, and while it never really even peaked this year because he was shit, like it's not happening again. We saw that he's just not a guy that can ramp up into big volume or anything like that. It is just a solid, really good addition for the Pistons. Takes away from any hope, thank God, that Corey Joseph's going to come back. That's done, cooked, finished. It also absolutely roots Killian Hayes' value or where he sits. Now, Killian, I thought, took steps forward as a really good defender, but he's, he's done. There's no way he's uh, staying in Detroit. That's just not going to happen. That is a lot of players going to new places, which is probably more important than the next section, which is the guys who stayed in place. Draymond Green goes back to Golden State, four years, $100 million player option. Is it probably a little bit much? Eh, Maybe. Draymond was still literally at Defensive Player of the Year level play last year. He will be again. I think he'll play a little bit more center this season with Chris Paul in the in the lineup. Um, you know, probably splitting half of that his time there. Still going to be the same guy, I would guess, for fantasy. I can't believe Kyle Kuzma went back to Washington. I, I, had, no, I had no expectation that would happen. They are in such a weird spot. Bradley Beal, have him for nothing. Porzingis, well, we don't really need much. Just give us something Tyus Tyce Jones. Monte Morris, I, he's just taking up space. Take him away. Like They're making weird moves all the time. So you think, oh, they're clearing house. They don't like their guys. Kuz actually come back and be uh, overpaid in an outsized role. But I guess the positive thing I'll say is when Cole Kuzma and Jordan Poole are leading your offense, you're going to be the worst team in the NBA. You just are. Now, Kuzma's going to have a chance to really put up Big numbers. Paul will still be the number one, but Kuzma's going to be one A, one B, whatever. However you want to phrase it, and he's go- now he's never going to get defensive stats. He's probably never going to pass it. He's going to play power forward, which will increase his rebound numbers. That's strong. What is bad though is that now this means that we've got Tyus, we've got Jordan Poole, we've got Dan Gafford, we've got Cole Kuzma. I reckon lock all four of those guys in as starters at this point. Lock them all in. One starting spot. You got John Davis. LOL, you've got Corey Kispert, you've got first round pick that you traded up for, Bilal Kalabali, 18 years of age, probably not going to start him, and you've got Denny Avdia. Now, I like it when Avdia plays at the four more than the three. I like it when Avdia plays where he has the ball in his hands, which it could be the case, but they're going to want Kispert and Avdia and Kalabali to play a little bit here. So while, and someone said this to me a week or so ago, when the Beal deal happened, man, this is huge for Avdia. Man, he's going to be such a good fantasy player, and I was like, just I think we just need to wait because they didn't draft him. They're not invested in Avdier at all, and a lot of things can happen. I didn't think one of those things happening would be Kuzma coming back, but now he's in a three-way. Let's say even to be generous, a two-way timeshare at small forward. Oh, this team also still has Deni Gallinari and Landu Shamet as well, wherever the hell they fit in. That Avdier, I don't know. I don't think he's going to play enough. He might not start. He might play 20 minutes off the bench. Whereas had no problem doing that last year. No problem at all playing him limited minutes. So unfortunately, especially for all my uh, viewers in Israel, I don't think he's going to do a huge amount this year. I just don't think it's lined up for it. Sorry. Chris Middleton, back to the Bucks. Three years, $102 million. Discount. I worry about his knee significantly. Another knee surgery. Definitely not touching him in the top 50 in fantasy drafts, but he comes back to his same role. He's, he's good. He'll be better than last year. Cam Johnson, four years, $108 million. Good on Cam. Coming in as a a very old rookie. He made it work. He is an interesting sort of a player. He will get more minutes in Brooklyn than he had in the past. He will score. He will hit a lot of threes. He's not going to do huge amounts in other areas. But him and Bridges are locked in as your starting forwards. And he is going to be a very, very easy top 100 player. He might be a top 50 player. That is probably a little bit too much money for a team that I don't think is going to be good at all. And... To have him as your highest paid player or second best player is a little rough, but good on him. Not a bad contract. Teams will want him still. Good teams will want him if you are looking to move off at any stage. Kyrie goes back to the Mavericks. Three years, $126 million player option. I know that people will disagree and they love to hate on Kyrie and I can hate on him as well. No problem. But him and his play was not the reason the Mavericks were bad at the end of last season. The idea of pairing him with Luka and trading away your defenders was, was what was bad. But that's not his fault. Kyrie didn't say, please give up all your defenders and bring me here. That's not what happened. He will still put up his numbers. But one thing that is important, and we'll do this when we look more through August at the Dallas Mavericks in depth, is that when Kyrie arrived, Luka's numbers dropped. His usage was about the same, but his assist numbers dropped down. And that's probably going to take Luka away from being that number one fantasy points pick maybe to number three or four and probably back end of first round for category leagues, I think with Kyrie there full season. Jakob Pertl, four years, $80 million player option. He's 27. He's a very good center. He's probably a top five defensive center in the NBA. That's all good. But what is this team doing? You traded a first round pick for him and then you lost Fred Van Vliet and you're bringing in Dennis Schroeder. What does the new coach want to do? What's Darko going to do with Pertl? Will he play him 33 minutes a night? Will Darko think that pressures the chew is the answer? He better bloody not. Purdle is going to be atrocious on free throws, but good on blocks, excellent on, free, on field goals, big rebounder, okay scorer. I just want 32 minutes out of him. This is a top 30 situation possibly for him. In a vacuum, it's a great contract for a very, very underrated player, but it makes zero sense on this team. Zero. Herb Jones, four years, $54 million. You might say that's an underpay for Herb Jones, but I, I know one thing about Herb Jones is that he does not care. This is a man who does not care about money in the slightest. He still does everything as if he hasn't made even any money in his career. I think he just, from everything I've heard, he is the most low-key bloke going around the league. I don't know if he's going to start this season because they're going to have CJ and Ingram and allegedly Zion and Valanchunas. And then there's one spot between Trey Murphy and Herb Jones. And no, Jordan Hawkins is not going to be a part of that. Dyson Daniels is still around too. So Herb is not... A fantasy draftable player, in my in my opinion. His value is extraordinarily tied to steals, some out of position blocks. That's it. And if he's playing 27 and 9, he's not going to get enough of them. And I think that might be the problem. Very good value contract. Herb, it is definitely under what your value is, but he doesn't care and he wants to be in New Orleans. Good on him. Drakaris Levert. Dracarys. Two years, $32 million. Yeah, look, are there other players that got less than that that I would have paid $16 million to? Yeah. Levert actually did improve a little bit towards the end of last season. He, I still don't think he makes sense as a starter next to Mitchell and Garland. But are these insane rumors they're looking to trade Garland or open to trading Garland, which would be ridiculous? That in him next to Mitchell fits a little bit better in that sense. Without Garland there, it's just fine to bring him back at that price. Really, not a lot to say about it. We're not drafting him in standard leagues. Kobe White goes back to Chicago. Shams reported at forty million. Woj at thirty three. Sure, whatever. Three years, 33 Kobe White. thought he was pretty good last season, but with the addition of Javon Carter, with the fact that he's back on the Bulls, with the fact that at the moment, Levine is still there, I don't really know how he's going to impact stuff this year. Joshua Kogi's back on a minimum in Phoenix, just joins in all of those guys, Yuta and Keita and uh, Metu and all these guys competing for minutes. He's not going to be a fantasy guy. Trey Lyles back two years, $16 million to be the Kings backup center, um, play some backup four as well behind Harrison Barnes. Yeah, look, he had a few moments. Some of his stuff, I think, was a little bit overrated at times last season, Trey Lyles. But he sort of fit in nicely as a uh, as a backup big. Also put it in like a 10-game stretch where his block rate was out of his ass, and then it fell back to earth. Solid backup. That's fine. DeAndre Jordan back in Denver. And no, that's not the bad move that Denver made. I don't know that you should have prioritized bringing back him to be literally a locker room presence. That's it. Not a good player. Not a good on-court guy. I get it. But I don't also. From a basketball perspective, it's shit out. It makes no sense. On-court stuff, yeah, fine. The Suns also brought back Damo Lee, who was an elite three-point shooter last season. Probably a minimum contract. Got a player option two years. He'll be part of the rotation, taking up some of the minutes that Landu Shammett has given up with him leaving. Of course, he's not going to play enough though with Beal and Booker both there. Jeremy Grant, I, like, I don't know why I didn't put this with some of the other earlier re-signings, but far out. Five years, $160 million. Now, my initial intel on Grant was that this deal was already, like he was locked and loaded and going to re-sign. I said that about three, four months ago, but not at this amount. That's not what I heard. I heard like $420 That's insane. Jeremy Grant is solid. If you are a championship contender and he is your third or fourth best player and you're just going all in, I get it. But you're not. Is this a move to appease Dame? Really, like f- really? Five years, 100. De- Jeremy Grant shot the ball really well last season. His defensive play has dropped off somewhat. His I, I don't know. Is it look? Is Jeremy Grant? Let me ask you this question. I don't know the answer. I don't know how I feel about it. Is Jeremy Grant a better player than Aaron Gordon? I. What has Jeremy Grant done as this reinvented offensive player through his time on a putrid Pistons team? And honestly putrid blazers team that is any better than what Aaron Gordon did as a player on a putrid magic team. I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think it's that far off. That is insane money. Like insane. And if it is to keep Dame around well get get fired. Like seriously. Dame is great. He's a great blazers legend but if Dame is requiring you to do this I'm sorry. I'd say I'd see you later, mate. I'm shipping you to OKC or something. Like that's is, is this killing. Of, is this is franchise killing potentially. That's horrible. Maybe maybe I'm just overreacting in the moment, but bloody hell, he's not that good. Nor is Reggie Jackson and by not that good, I say he's shit house, But he goes back on the middle level, part of the middle level exception to the Nuggets at two years, ten point two five million dollars. He wasn't in the rotation in the in the playoffs. Played like two minutes a night across five games. Yes, they do need someone to handle some backup role with Bruce Brown gone. But Shake Milton was there two years, 10 million. Could have signed him. Maybe have a crack at Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who was an unrestricted free agent. Much better defender than Reggie. I don't know why your moves are bringing back Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan while losing Bruce Brown and getting markedly worse as a defending champion. Pair that with some questionable draft picks. I've hated this Nuggets offseason so far. Hated it. Bringing Jackson in for the mid-level sucks. DeAndre Jordan, yeah, what's the point? Losing Brown and then trading up for Jalen Pickett and Hunter Tyson. Ugh, I don't like it. They've still got the best player in the world, so they're going to be all right. But the moves on the margins, they can matter. And the moves on the margins last year, Bruce Brown, is what won them the title. These ones aren't going to do that. I dropped the sound drop already, but I'll say it again. Harrison Barnes is back with the Kings, three years, $54 million. I need to see exactly what happens with the Kings before I judge this, but them trading away pick 24, as well as Rashawn Holmes, to open up cap space so they could sign someone they could have signed anyway is very weird. Now, maybe they got word that Kyle Kuzma wasn't going to come and Draymond wasn't going to come, but this is exactly what happened when they gave those picks to the Sixers all those years ago when Vlade was running things. Not the same, because it's not as impactful. But you're clearing cap space and you're giving up assets to do it for things that aren't happening. Maybe I am wrong on this. But so far, all they've done is brought back Harrison Barnes and brought back Trey Lyles. That's not true. They brought in Chris DeWarte, but gave up a draft pick to do it. I don't know what draft pick. And then gave up pick 24, Omax Prosper, who honestly could have been an interesting part of this team. And you still had bird rights to bring back Trey Lyles and Harrison Barnes. You could have done all of that stuff. Now maybe you couldn't have brought back Chris DeWarte, but I think you still could have. And used exceptions for Sasha Vesenkov. I'm not sure. So that's why I need to see it all play out. And bringing Barnes back at this price, his cap hold was about $27 million, So signing him for $16 million this year, it actually reduced his cap hold quite a bit. But if you did have, and you cleared all that cap space because you thought someone big was coming in, you could have just renounced Barnes to have $35 million in cap space. And that doesn't look like, so far I'm a little bit down on what the Kings have done by giving up a draft pick to re-sign your own guys. Seems like pretty bad process, but I am going to give it a little bit of time to see what else they do because stuff could still come good of that. Trey Jones is back in San Antonio, two years, $20 million. That's backup point guard money. It's not much at all. Um, I'd I'd expect that he starts, but that means one of Sohan Vassal. Calden or Zach Collins is going to come off the bench. I don't think I don't think they're going to start Jeremy Sohan as, as a point guard. I think Trey Jones is going to start there, and that leaves a roster crunch, a six into five situation. So someone is going to miss out there. Not sure who it is. Good value for Trey. Good value for Nikhil Alexander Walker as well. Two years, nine million dollars. Turned into a pretty good defensive player. He's got size. The shooting's really bad. He's not someone you want to start at all. Maybe he's a rotation player in Minnesota. The Lakers signed Rui Hachimura. Three years, fifty-one million dollars. Like, I mean, sure, Rui is not worth that at all. Rui had a couple of good shooting nights, but he's still the same bloke who needs usage, doesn't defend, doesn't pass. He's a up and down shooter. I've got no problem that he is a key, could have been a key bench rotation piece for them. At like the fact that he gets seventeen million and Gabe Vincent on eleven is pretty crazy to me. I don't think, I think Rui's value was gassed up a lot by highlight clips and highlight social media through the playoffs. I just don't think he's worth that contract. It's not terrible. It's not killing what they need to do. No problem with them doing it. Just in terms of a pure value play or just a value contract for the guy, I don't think it works. Whatever. The Spurs bring back Julian Champagne. Four years, 12 million. Four years for Julian Champagne. Now, he did play well. Down the stretch last year, team option at the end, I would guess there's maybe some non-guarantees somewhere there. I don't know. Champagne is like a small forward shooting guard type of player who's going to have to battle with CeeDee Sissoko and Blake Wesley and Malachi Branham in that bench grouping. He played all right, deserves a contract. We'll see what happens. And Kevin Love is the last one on my list here. He goes back to the Miami Heat, two years, 7.6 million, with a player option. He'll probably play 20 minutes a night again. I guess he'd play behind Caleb Barton, but a lot of things still to happen there with Miami. Obviously, we're not caring too much about Kevin Love for fantasy. And that will wrap it up for the end of the first day of free agency. Do I risk going and looking at Twitter and seeing if everything has burnt down since then? Um, Oh, no, only one small thing. I Might as well talk about it now. Victor Oladipo traded to Oklahoma City. All right, cool. Um, And the Thunder are getting a draft pick there. gives a... Trade exception for Miami. Oladipo's injured. He's not going to play. That doesn't mean anything. So we escaped. We got out of it. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, no, did I tell you? Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. If you're on YouTube, you thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.